Well, welcome, Sarah Steniff. It sure is wonderful to have you at Hemp Barons today. Thank you for having me. This is an honor. In so many ways, you are a sister from another mister. The, pa- the passion, uh, the command that you have over the subject matter that is important to you and interests you, and the way that you can inspire people and inspire them uh, in ways that they're receptive to, to complex and even sometimes controversial information, you are a powerhouse of epic proportions. And I am so glad that we have got you in the hemp industry now, sister. Now, um, please tell us a little bit about your story with, with the genus cannabis in general. Um, and then we'll move on to how you sort of evolved uh, the the commercial endeavors or, or even in many ways the advocacy endeavors, given that there's only 24 hours in a day, over towards uh, what you can do with our low THC varieties, our hemp varieties of hemp. What's, what's your story? You have served this country pretty tremendously already. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Um, I served... Uh, four years of one deployment in the Army as an Apache crew chief helicopter mechanic. I got medically discharged for epilepsy from a traumatic brain injury um, and PTSD, along with, a, you know, a slew of other things, chronic pain, anxiety, depression, whatever else, you know, goes under the secondary conditions. And at first, you know, the symptoms were manageable and it was just a few medications and then a few turned to over a dozen. And I was in and out of dual diagnosis programs, substance abuse programs, uh, filled in a lot of my voids with a lot of uh, drugs, alcohol, non-fun shit, you know, that you turn back and look at your head and go, I did that. And long story short, um, in the midst of it, after two failed suicide attempts and just years of struggling, I just wanted to end it. And I turned to my wife and was like, you know, I'm just done. I can't do this anymore. You know, a lot of those... uh, issues that aren't visible to the human eye that I dealt with on the daily, you know, worthlessness, uselessness. They just got me into a downward spiral and I really got into a bad hole. And finally, you know, one of my buddies came over with cannabis and introduced me to this. And the next thing you know, I, I don't know, I was getting out in society. I was conversating with people. I was being able to be vulnerable and weak and being okay to cry and share stories that I've never shared before and be open in ways I was never open before. And, you know, really never put the connection together until it took a while. And then um, that just, you know, created a trickling effect, kind of a light bulb after that. You then discovered becoming a major activist and inspirer and educator. And then you discovered the hemp opportunity because we met of course under activism circumstances i think it's possible sarah we certainly met in new york we may very well have met at at an evening gathering but where you really grabbed me and where i really said who is this powerhouse that not only gives me goosebumps but brings me to tears uh was probably at the uh cannabis parade and rally, which we, of course, used to call the Global Marijuana March, but it became the Cannabis Parade and Rally in New York City, um, which originally started way back in, in 79, I believe. But but you discovered the hemp opportunity at some point. How did that come to be? Well, it was kind of like when I, when I finally realized what the cannabis plant itself was doing to me, realizing the photocannabinoids in the plant, the endogenous cannabinoids in our body, 
realizing and taking the time to study my body, what happened after I experienced the trauma from childhood up until the military and how that affected me and what was happening to my receptor sites and my cannabinoids. And I'm looking at it and going, wow, this is why the plant was, why I'm not taking my PRNs, why I'm not taking my take as needed meds and all this other stuff. And even though that like hit close to home and really is what I think saved my life is where it helped me connect those traditional, non-traditional meds. But what really woke me up is when I couldn't afford to be on the black market anymore, I started growing at home. And the sad part is, is even when my kid, who I love to death, who you know is a gorgeous angel child, I would be such in a depressive, isolated state that there would be times where, yes, if he was crying or needing me, I could go change his diaper and feed him and do all that. But I couldn't do the other things a mother should do. I couldn't get up and play with him and be a part and I couldn't be active. I was so depressed. But when I grew the plant, because I had to grow it because I couldn't fucking afford it on the streets, I started growing it and oh my God, that third therapy just connected with me. I got to get out of my bed or my plants die. And I'm going to have to come up with cash that I ain't got to afford my meds. And it got me out of bed. It got me to take care of the girls. It got me to understand it. And next thing you know, I'm freaking talking to the plants and playing music with them and dancing with them. And my wife's like, who the fuck you got in there? Like, what, who are you talking to? And I'm like, the girls, like they're dancing and they're all happy. And it was weird, this connection that I didn't understand was happening with them was happening with them. And, and then when I started traveling more and meeting other veterans and, and making those connections and seeing that a lot of us, even though we don't have the same exact stories, a lot of our issues and symptoms, they run parallel and similar with that of civilians who experience trauma. A lot of our symptoms and issues run parallel and that's what we can connect on. We can connect on those feelings and the, the like heartache and pain and suffering. You don't need to have the same exact story to understand those types of feelings. And I'm looking at this plant and I'm connecting with this plant and just like, wow, this shit's hitting me deeper than I've ever thought before. Get me off my meds and get me out of bed and really making me see things clearly, but also having me put the brakes on a lot of things in my life and just really slow down. And I was like, wow, if I could do this on a larger scale, I think I could love life a little bit more. Maybe this is my purpose because that's what a big problem with me back in the day. I didn't feel like I had a sense of purpose. I was worthless. I came out of the military. Now I'm a stay-at-home mom, which is great. And it's awesome. And that's rewarding and blessing. But I needed, I, I needed, wh- wh- why? Why? You know? Yes. And you're quite an active gal on top of it. I mean, you just, your normal average Joe, doesn't you know, fly Apache helicopters or engage in war zones. Uh, you, you had some uh, additional needs there uh, as, as we all have, you know, we're, it takes all kinds of people to make up uh, the world and we have different needs um, and different desires and you're incredibly purpose-driven. I'm, I'm so blessed that I have these wonderful two adult sons who were student athletes who are now making their way through master's program and, and believe me, so rewarding and so fulfilling and also I'm a very purpose purpose-driven gal. (laughs) So, um, so all of those needs, I have all of those needs as well. So what I'm discovering here and even listening to you speak, and it's because I know you so well. So listeners who would get to follow Sarah Steneff and, and the things that you do, you will fall in love with her. And, and the more you know about 
her story, the more her story will affect you. So even though we're good friends and I've known you for some years now, listening to you speak just now gave me goosebumps up and down my body and my eyes welled up because I realized the therapeutic benefit that you discovered when working with the plant. So not only are you sitting here realizing I get a therapeutic benefit from utilizing the plant, then you realize I have a therapeutic benefit from growing the plant, from being involved with the plant. Yeah. So, and man, are we lucky that you are such a quick study on top of everything else. You're also one of the more brilliant people that I have known. So your the ability for you to understand the complexities of this plant. Now people would say it's not rocket science growing a cannabis plant. Okay. It's, there are some complexities to it and it does not matter which form it is. And so you became sort of a master grower and people throw that term around um, because master grower is also in many ways a, a certificate, but you really became a masterful grower and then started to apply that to hemp. And I really remember, and I think you'd only had a year under your belt, a season under your belt with, with hemp production, small scale. And I, we both presented at a continuing legal education seminar by the New York State Bar Association in Buffalo in September of 2019. Um, and I remember you and you were on a panel and I'm sitting in the back of the room listening to you and you start opening your mouth about essentially hemp cultivation or hemp farming. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, this girl is talking about lessons uh, that folks in Canada and Europe who have been regulating the crop for some decades now, you know, have uh, took and learned the hard way and you were already had learned them and we're already articulating them and already dispensing and sharing them with decision makers and, and other influencers who were there so that they could advise their clients and, and their stakeholder groups. And it's really just tremendous. So you, New York, of course, is, is a hemp loving state. We're having issues right now in that New York is deciding uh, that it doesn't want to include smokable hemp flour. But of course, as you well know, Assemblywoman Lepardo is, is coming to save the day with that and has put forth a bill. And there are sister assembly and Senate bills to allow for smokable hemp products, which is fantastic. But despite that hiccup, and it's a major one, but it's a hiccup, yeah. it's a really hemp-loving state that has put money into grant programs and money into their Department of ag and markets, et cetera. And so you decide that you're going to take advantage of it. And can so let's talk a little bit about the birth of Veterans Ananda and, and then go into both the, the nonprofit arm and the for-profit arm of that vision, which you are have already uh, manifested in the world. Yeah. Well, I guess it, it was after my first panel traveling to High Times in Nevada where the fruition, because I had all these ideas in my head, you know me, oh my gosh, ADHD, woohoo, off the wall. And I had all these ideas, but I didn't know where to start. I'm thinking equine therapy, I'm thinking yoga, I'm thinking hemp, I'm thinking agriculture, I'm thinking this, that. It was really after my first panel where I crossed my T's, dot my eyes, and was like, a veteran village where it's a sustainable village, where it's transitional homes, transitional living, we do job placement. We do care to include ancillary services. We have caregiver services. We help them navigate. We are essentially this no more one size fits all approach.
approach type system. We give individualized care and we listen to you. And I'm like, it's simple. Keep it fucking simple. That's what your lawyers tell you all the time, Sarah. So you might as well do it. I'm like a veteran village. Boom. This is what we need. Let's go. I talked to my wife who's got a master's degree in, in, in clinical therapy. See, she's a licensed psychologist. And I was like, what does this take? What does that take? Talk to other individuals around town. Talk to people who had this and that. I really got into the tiny homes and really connected with local high schools and sparked, you know, the young, beautiful minds of the youth at the high school to be creative and use their ideas to bring to fruition these tiny homes to build for the vets. And in doing so quickly, I realized that you have to be strategic in picking schools. You have to be strategic in your funding. You really have to know where to go and how to get it and make sure you can get it done because you can't scale and maintain operations without being realistic. And I'm sitting here going, well, I'm a self-funded place with a nonprofit board that's all fucking pro bono with no capital because I don't qualify as a startup and screw nonprofit because that scares the shit out of investors. So what are we going to do? And I'm like, go have another gala and throw on another party for white collar white boys and chase another paycheck or get off our ass and realize there's no money out there for startup companies, no matter how many boxes as a female disadvantaged farmer, lesbian veteran, I checked ain't no money. So I was like, okay, well then we'll create our own. Let's create a for-profit subsidiary off of this. Let's now take advantage of ag and markets opening up a hemp pilot program because we obviously couldn't afford a cannabis license. That was way too damn expensive. But let's take advantage of hemp. Hemp is great. There's tens of thousands, over 38,000 textiles, I believe, that could be made out of it. Not many of us in the U.S. are taking advantage of that grain and fiber, but there's flour, there's this and that. We could build the infrastructure here. We can learn about it. Let's do this. The agrotherapy is already here with a nonprofit. Let's create a for-profit subsidiary, which is around that training and development and can generate revenue and proceeds to the nonprofit to build these homes. So we don't have to throw these galas and chase paychecks and do all the shit we don't want to do. Excuse my language. But, you know, we've been really reliant on, you know, just the community support and the community engagement. And they've been amazing and phenomenal. And without them, we wouldn't exist. Now it's to the point where we're like, hey, let's take this on a level where we can open up something that's mimicable, adaptable and scalable into any region, into any state, because every demographic is going to be different. And what I need here in New York is not what you're going to need in Detroit. So I, I wanted to create a, a for-profit subsidiary that could also mimic a similar model like that. And in, in doing so quickly, I realized, as you may know, it, even though we started off on a small scale of farming on the first year, it was fucking hard. I mean, this crop is labor intensive. Yeah, you don't need to water it, but uh, I highly suggest you do. Pinching, defoliating, like, you know, checking for pests, looking for males, things like this a lot of people don't think about on, on top of expenditures for equipment and all this other stuff. And we realize, you know, again, we're running into the issue of this company. Again, no startup capital, no nothing for this. No revenue, let alone even passive income. And we're like, God, this is crazy. And the next thing you know, a bunch of battle buddies start coming over. And they're volunteering and they're loving it going, you know, I always wanted to work with hemp plants. I can't believe you got a legal farm. Can my wife come over? Can my friends come over? How do you see? How do you defoliate? How do you clone? And I'm like, oh, I love this. This is my niche. I love helping veterans get, getting the midnight phone call. Sarah, I got no idea how to fill out this packet. What the fuck am I doing? Like, 
helping them find their niche in agriculture and, and, and building that bridge, filling that bridge and that gap in the learning curve that we hit. And I'm like, I want to open up a training and development center. That's what I want to do. I want to help veterans find their niche in farming. I want to create a product line that can generate revenue in and that money gets funneled into our nonprofit. We build as many homes as possible to eradicate veteran homelessness. And so far, so good. We got two homes as of right now here, two more homes being donated, even being completed, even due to COVID, we're still hauling and in the works with a few other uh, local high schools to get a few others here before spring, by the end of spring, excuse me. So the the amount of work that you have already executed and, and accomplishments already made, and, and I still consider you to be a startup. I mean, in so many ways, you I don't know when you stop becoming yeah. a startup, but it can't be two years into it <laughs> in an emerging industry, right? You You have actually, you have two tiny homes. You yes. have manifested two tiny homes with two more on the way. And and you did gloss over it. And as well, you, you know, you should in terms of the, the lack of infrastructure right now. But I remember when you told me about this vision and you had oil, seed and fiber very much on the front of your mind. And I know you still do. Oh, yeah. It's just waiting for that processing infrastructure to, you know, as I always say on this show, there's always something that comes up for me to say, we love that it's the longest, strongest stock in the world after it's harvested and processed. Getting the longest, strongest stock in the world <laughs> harvested and processed is a whole nother thing. So, um, but that, that is that is very much a part of your vision. And believe me, I cannot wait till we do a hemp tiny home workshop at Veterans Ananda. The vision that you put out there and what you've accomplished educating, empowering veterans, manifested two tiny homes with two more on the way. You have a, an entire product line out there. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, we have tinctures and massage oils, as well as a warming and cooling rub, as well as uh, CBD capsules. Our product line, our niche is really around veterans. I know that a lot of these products and companies are heavily commercialized, heavily commoditized. Let's jump on the bandwagon, sell what's next in demand. And we didn't want to do that right away. We know we probably could, and we probably should have just to generate in revenue and say, love me, I'll fit myself in the ass later. But I really wanted to focus on what do my veterans need? That's my niche. I want to listen to you. Tell me the products that you're trying to find that you can't find out there. And they told me higher milligrams. We don't want to sit there and take a half a vial of a 15, you know, hundred milligram. We want the 4,000 milligram, five, six droplets. It's lasting me two months. Cool. You know, five or six little drops and it's lasting them. And they only got to take it once or twice a day. And they're like, we need something that's a punch in the face. We can't find anything like that. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's not high in demand and maybe it's not for everybody and it's not going to sell off the fucking shelves, but it's what my niche is telling me that they need. And that's what we're really focused on. But what we realize is again, it opened up our eyes and we realized that a lot of our shit runs parallel in the civilian community. So we're getting hit up with people who have, uh, you know, and this is not making any claims by any means, but we're getting hit up by people who have fibromyalgia and arthritis and other PTSD from other traumas and who are having issues with sleep and anxiety. And they're, they're telling me the same thing. We just needed something that was that hit in the face, but still healthy for us. And one of our issues was finding that balance. It was like, well, how do you make another product that's not just in a saturate? Like make another 
isolate. And I don't believe in isolate because isolate, you isolate that one cannabinoid when the cannabinoids are supposed to work synergetically together to work in harmony to bring your body back to homeostasis. How do you isolate something, especially CBD, which runs similar to that other cannabinoids in our body, like anadamine, 2-AG, and all these other cannabinoids, and you're sitting here going, if you have that isolate and you're constantly taking it, you're going to deplete yourself. It's like taking melatonin every single night. Your body has natural cannabinoids that produce similar things like melatonin. Melatonin. If you take this every night, you're hurting yourself. So we're like, how do we create something that's high intense and it's safe? And our boys over at Lock and Key with Oleg and that whole group over at the lab, they hooked us up. They came together and they were like, sister, this is what we got. These are kind of formulations. Tell us what your guts think. And we've been doing trial and error. And, you know, thanks to individuals like yourself we're now uh, unfucking our labels and getting our shit show together because New York State policy is changing. So our, our products are, like I said, really geared towards overall individuals to help that want an organic line, a vegan line that's processed in an ethical and moral way for people who want to get affordable access to some great shit. <laughs> I didn't realize that you have a vegan line. And I should have also probably told, although I think they're getting it now, uh, that it's a hemp extract product line. The woman has gone into hemp extracts right now. And one day she'll sort of smorgasbord builds with infrastructure. Maybe we'll also have uh, veterans producing, you know, cold pressed hemp seed oil and hulled hemp seeds and and building hempcrete homes. I know that's the larger vision right now. Hemp extract, man. And um and I didn't realize you had a vegan line. When did you start that? So these, the 50 milligram capsules are what really sparked it. And a lot of them are down at uh, Hemp and Humanities down in uh, Woodstock area, as well as online. This is actually our number one seller online, believe it or not. Uh, they're 50 milligrams, uh, 1500 milligrams in the whole thing. So you get 30 capsules. Basically, you got to take one a day and they're all vegan, non-GMO, third-party uh, third party lab tested, and what's great is all of our products are also uh, through the Farmer Veteran Coalition, homegrown, homegrown by Heroes approved as well. So we also have our Homegrown by Heroes label on there as well through all of it, which is something we very much pride ourselves in, along with, of course, you know, the vegan and non-GMO and organic line. But Farmer Grown, Farmer Owned, this is one of our heavy sellers, and it's it's been great and great feedback. I'm, I'm really thankful that Oleg and this, his crew put this together for us. So we're blessed. Um, on their website, they have these 75 milligram capsules. Um, they're, they're not vegan ones, but they all are organic. Um, and that's on the Lock and Key website. But again, the 50 milligrams are, are great because I realize if you're taking 75, it's really at that awkward point for our veterans because they sometimes really want that 100 threshold. And at 75, you don't really want to double up because then, you know, the color is really popped and you can get a headache and it's not good stuff. So the 50 gives you that comfort where you can try it, wait 30, 45 minutes and then take another one if need be, because let's admit, you know, not every day is the same. So that's our biggest vegan product line. And it's going to be interesting. Again, you're in New York. So when you're in New York, you got to deal with New York. And believe me, it's, oh. there's, it's half a dozen of one, six of the other in many jurisdictions. And, and I will tell you, however, that New York is being incredibly brave and empowering right now, smokable hemp aside, because they are having to come up against the FDA, which is refusing to act, which is forcing 
states like New York to really do the heavy lifting. The FDA has all of the same safety studies that the whole rest of the world has, including Australia, which has now doubled its daily into, uh, I believe, 120 milligrams a day, you know, yeah. and so on and so forth. But so New York is re uh, has really taken a stand and said, OK, in the absence of the FDA essentially doing its job to create a regulatory framework for these products that even the commissioner of the FDA has gone on record through congressional testimony saying we can't tell people not to take these. It would be a fool's errand. So New York says, yes, we agree. And since there's so much of these products coming in and out of our state, and since they are very promising when they are made safely and, and with quality assurance in mind, such as, you know, manufacturing practices, um, we believe in them and we want to encourage this industry. And so they have put boundaries uh, around, they've created that regulatory framework. And of course, we're, we're about to get the revised proposed rules, hopefully in a week or so. So, um, but part of them, those rules are going to be a, a limitation around how many milligrams can be put in that bottle, right? The proposed rules stay a maximum of 3,000 milligrams of total cannabinoids. So not just one cannabinoid and then you get to add in the rest. 3,000 milligrams of total cannabinoids. And we'll see, by the way, because there were many um, organizations, including the U.S. Hemp Roundtable, uh, where we asked for, a, I believe, 3,600. Um, we had to be reasonable in, in that request to bump it up, but particularly in that, it's total cannabinoids. So yeah. what is that? And, and by the way, they also, uh, New York, like many jurisdictions, also reserve the right um, to make regulations around how much per serving and certainly yes. how much oh, THC, yes. which for you is not going to be an issue. You're not, you know, bumping up against anything dangerous there. So what, what does that mean for you in general? There, there's sort of like the business ownership perspective of what that reformulation means and then what it means from your heart, knowing that the reason why you've created uh, the higher milligrams product is because it's specifically serving the needs of a specific demographic, which is our veterans. I hope they have common, common sense and realize that, that besides the capsules, that's our second best seller. So for them, I know numbers are appealing. So if that's something they want to listen to, I have my numbers as well to show that's our best seller. And we'll also sell well on your product lines if other people wish to sell it because people want it. And, and again, it's not like they're sitting there dousing it down. So for instance, I have a 4,000 milligram bottle. It's in a 30 milliliter container. If you take five to six droplets a day as recommended, um, please see a physician, but as recommended by us, then it will last you two months. So if you don't want me to sell the 4,000 milligram, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell the 2,000 milligram in a 15 milliliter bottle, half the size in the same amount of dosage. So they're just going to have to buy it more frequently and more often, which is bullshit and stupid because common sense says if you do the fucking math, it's the same shit. So why is it that I can have my 2000 milligram, 15 milliliter bottle, but I can't have my 4000 milligram, 30 milliliter bottle. It's just another corporate bullshit issue. But if they look at it, it's our number one seller besides the capsules, you know, second to the capsules, which just came out. So it's like, for us, what's this mean? I mean, 
This means changing out product lines. Hopefully we can sell them before that 90-day threshold or possibly 180-day threshold hits. Changing up labels. I mean, thousands of dollars. This isn't this isn't an easy fix. I mean, barcodes aren't cheap, labels aren't cheap, design marketing's not cheap. You know, SEO marketing website bullshit's not cheap. Third-party lab testing, sampling. This is not cheap to make these simple little stupid in changes when me I look back going the bottles are the same you know it is and what's what I think you you might find fascinating although you may also know is that New York was being incredibly bold with that 3000 they were called to justify to the FDA the FDA was completely freaked out over the limits that New York very bravely put forth in its proposed regulations. And they were called to the carpet by the FDA, wanting all kinds of explanations, you know, and New York is, is basically, I can't speak for New York, but I, I can certainly tell you, I, I wouldn't even try, but I can certainly tell you that the proponents um, from, in my experience, from the lawmaker and regulatory and, and executive side uh, is that that they don't understand why on earth, you know, Costco, you can, you can understand that an overdose of vitamin C, I, I'm, I'm talking to the listeners more than you, you're well aware of this, an overdose of potassium, an overdose of iron, an overdose of vitamin C, it can cause very severe uh, harm. And, and adverse events. And your two-year-old can go to Costco and buy a gigantic bottle mm -hmm. of any of these things and can easily overdose on any age um, on any of these, of these vitamins and minerals. But why are they sold in bulk? Because it's America and we want to deal and it's legal to sell these dietary supplements in bulk. Yep. So why can't that be for, for hemp extract as well? So, exactly. you know, as, as frustrating it as that is, I, I do want you to know that that is not a New York. Oh, no. And I didn't mean to come off like like Dickie to New York by any means. I know, I know Lombardo. I know Lombardo and, and even people Stokes and Gabby and, and even, you know, Gilbert's putting forth, you know, a decent effort now. But, you know, especially Lombardo, like they been pushing they've been you know working and you got to compromise yeah everybody knows especially in corporate america you got you got to play the game to stay in and i know new york has been pushing the limit <laughs> it, again like you said with the fda so i don't blame them it's it's more so me going like the fda turning my head like you're a fucking idiot you're an idiot with canada with australia with the netherlands the uk now with all these other countries now we should be wanting to adapt our research and pushing forward and moving forward not making non-logical policies that don't make sense. Sit back, stop being corporate for a minute and pretending like you're a farmer. Get some farmers in-house and people that know what the fuck they're doing and some true advocates and listen for a minute because you're, you're wasting time on some unnecessary rags when we could be talking about real shit. Like, I don't know medical research or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Yeah. And of course, and just because she is such a heroine, we wanted to just make sure it is Donald Lupardo. Um, and, and she's so, she's just so fantastic. And uh, yeah. And, and the other message that I would say to, to the DEA, you know, please, you're working here for the American people, for American business. 
And that means all businesses, small businesses, all businesses, not just big pharma. And please remember uh, that the FDA, you, you work for the American consumer and you work for the American entrepreneur and the American business person, which absolutely includes the American small business person. Just ask the Small Business Administration which is all over being our, our tremendous advocate here. So, so important. Well, is there, and I cannot wait to have you back on, Miss Sarah. While, while we've got the platform here, is there anything that I haven't asked you or any, an important message that you might want someone to know, whether it's a veteran, whether it's someone who's interested in, in getting into cultivating hemp, whether it's someone who's getting into processing hemp, marketing hemp, you, you sort of have done the vertical into integration as a, as a two woman show, as it were, you and, <laughs> and your beautiful wife, Jennifer, but a lot of community involvement. So thank God. And you, you bring that, you, you really uh, both command that and, and invite that people want to help, but any message on any level that you might want to make, share with the listeners before we go? Um, well, definitely. If you're a veteran or first responder, family member in need, we want, we want you to first and foremost, know that you're not alone. And if you need to reach out at any time, we're here for you. Um, we look forward to this spring and having as many veterans and first responders and, civilians and community members at large here. We uh, are looking to open up classes and get more ag therapy and get more hands-on in the dirt training going on in the community. So please keep an eye out for that. But um, always know if you're in the area, whether it's for a quick second or for the day, our doors are always open. We love to have visitors. Please stop on by. Um, If you're interested in getting in the hemp industry, realize it's a crazy market. It's a crazy industry. Start low, start slow. Don't be ashamed of growing a quarter of an acre and going from there. The oversaturation is not due to the farmers. It is not our problem. <laughs> I hate that. I hate to break it to people. A lot of people say there's too much, there's too many farmers, it's their problem. But, you know, it's a lack of processors. It's a lack of building that infrastructure and having those means to do those textiles. So by all means, if you're a farmer, or aspiring farmer, please do get involved. Please come and learn. Please get in the dirt. Please come in at least just see what it's about. Um, there's just a steep learning curve. We just want to help bridge that gap. So please come on by and thanks for partaking and listening. I appreciate you guys. You are so wonderful. And folks, you can go to podconnects.com uh, and get all of the links uh, to to understand what Sarah's doing um, and how to get in touch with, with her via both the uh, Veterans Ananda and Ananda Farms. Sarah, I am sending you my most positive vibes. I cannot wait to commune with you in person. Um, and thank you for everything you do and for everything you are, sister. Thank you for everything. This has been so awesome and an honor. And I'm blessed to grow in the state of New York. This is my home state. I love this state. That's where I was stationed here at the Fort Drum. So I'm, uh, I'm I'm ready to exceed expectations, create those optimal results, I believe, as you always put it well. And, uh, you know, I'm just blessed to be in the state. So I'm ready for 2021. Here we come. <laughs> Here we come. And New York loves you, girl. So does Hemp Barons. Until next time, sister. Love you, sister. Have a good one. Love you back. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com.
Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Kenna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canada podcasters right here on PodConX and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.